0: They eat both classes. everyone gets some freebies. So it was actually Larry's idea. um, and Larry's one of the teachers of the series saying, as we got together as teachers to discuss the topic, we were kind of realizing, man, some of this is just kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Uh, And we figured having, giving you guys a copy of the book, you can kind of work through it with us, Mm -hmm. might be helpful in helping you understand it. So I'm going to hand out, I'll let you have one there. You got one, right? Damon, you've got one. We'll do one per family unit. Thank you.
1: Okay. There you go.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, let's start. uh, Start with a word of prayer, and then we'll kind of dig into our introduction to the Christian mind. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We just thank you for this day that we get to gather together and uh, worship you. Father, I pray that you would uh, help us uh, to have hearts and minds that are uh, just desirous of glorifying you and enjoying you in all that we do. Father, I pray as we uh, turn to your word and begin to talk about uh, the the topic of the Christian mind, that you would give us understanding uh, and that you would help us to believe Trust you, trust your word. uh, To know uh, it is true, Father, to strengthen us for this uh, series, for this class this morning. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I just want to start off with kind of a general, just a discussion question. Have you ever heard, or maybe you've kind of personally? thought this way have you ever heard faith described as kind of being a blind faith that the christian faith is more like a leap of faith kind of mindless kind of my oh, you're going right there
2: <laughs>
0: what 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 was some of the if you can what was some of the language maybe around that that kind of gave you that idea uh, and, may, and is that an idea you still hold to, or, you know, wh- what, are, what are your thoughts now?
3: Oh, like blind faith of not being able to see, and kind of that image of, you know, you're, you're walking down a dark, it's, the path is dark. You, know, you you're just kind of blindly following, basically. Mm-hmm you don't know you just trust it yeah so trust without um, without knowing exactly what the end is or I've heard that that kind of either described or kind of as a uh, as a accusation almost Mm -hmm. um, against the Christian faith Right. that it just requires this this blind
0: faith so yeah blind or kind of implicit kind of
4: it reminds me of uh Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> Yes, where there's this gorge and they've got to get across somehow, and, and he remembers something that was in his dad's journal and says, like, okay, well, then I just have to step out in faith, and he steps out into the gorge, but doesn't fall because there's a bridge there that nobody could see. That's not, that's totally... Stupid. I mean, <laughs> you don't jump into a gorge, right? <laughs> You've got to use your brain. Yeah, um, blind faith. Uh, if we had no proof of the existence of God, and then yet we believed, that would be blind faith. But the heavens declare the, go- the glory of God. The firmament displays his handiwork. We know that there's a God. Everybody knows that there's a God, Allah, Romans 6 all of Romans 1. Mm-hmm. You know, and... So, the idea that anyone comes to faith without using their intellect, um, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, brought to life by the Holy Spirit, uh, without that intellect, we would not be able to have... Uh, a faith that God is looking for, which is those to worship Him in spirit and in truth.
1: Popular culture and science is sophisticated, right? Mm-hmm. And so they uh, they have reasoned their way through, uh, you know, the things of life. And, uh, you know, they've basically proven that there there is no God. So to... to Fall back on some ancient old book that was written by people. You know, like you got to be pretty dumb to do that. Yeah.
0: Whether well, that's the yeah in our on the the Tuesday evening men's study, you're talking you've talked about religion and revelation, scripture, and, and in the discussion on religion, there's that idea that because because there's pain and suffering in the world, man invented religion. To help him cope with these, with the pain and suffering of life, but the the reality of it, as Damien said in Romans one, God created the heavens and the earth. God created man, and from the very beginning of time, he has been made known, and that's why there's religion. But you, I, I remember my uh, my dad was a Trekkie. Mm-hmm. And part of the the Star Trek idea is they are now in this place, like Josh is talking about. They are so advanced that religion in, it no longer exists mm-hmm. because they figured it all out, and they no longer need this crutch called religion. So thank you, Gene Roddenberry, but you're wrong. That's you know, that's blasphemy. It's <laughs> yeah, like this wrong, but that's exactly right. It's just whole idea that you you can through through knowledge and intellect get past the crutch of religion and faith we're, we're asked we're talking about like our experiences um in hearing faith described as a blind faith so we've talked kind of about that leap into the dark um Damian talked about indiana jones take taking the uh, this this kind of step out into the gorge right Anything else?
2: I think it would not
4: be surprising, even from some scripture, you could get kind of get to the idea that it's blind faith. I mean, eleven, you know, uh, Hebrews eleven one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, uh, the conviction of things not seen. I mean, if you don't see it's kind of blind. I I realize, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically, like it, uh, 40, Forty is by the for by it the people of old received their uh, commendation by faith We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things uh, that are
2: visible. So you can kind of get that idea, mm-hmm. even from Scripture, if you, yeah, I can see how people come yeah. up with that.
0: So it's <laughs> not, like even in my background here in some of that language of, of faith being blind, faith being like a trust fall where, you know, don't look back, but just fall back and we'll catch you sort of thing. It's kind of like what faith is. That it's not founded out of nothing. There's there's some language that I think is kind of misunderstood in Scripture. It's kind of what the series is going to be talking about that get, can give us that idea of of a blind faith. Anything else?
5: When I think of it, I guess it's more akin to trust. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that which which also, means mean, it goes against our natural instinct. So, first time I went uh, repelling, my natural instinct was to grab the wall, not lean back and mm-hmm. trust the equipment. Or, when I went to um, physician, racing heartbeat and all this other stuff, and I really thought it was one thing, and it was like, hmm, it's strep throat. Trusted what he had to say, even though I wasn't really sure. I'm like, sure, it's something else. I'm mm-hmm. going to be back in a couple of days. That's what it was, but... There's a lot of things where I think I know, but I have to go against what I think and trust something different. Even when you you screw up and you have to apologize to your wife, it's not necessarily what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But if you believe that that's the way that you repair a relationship, regardless of you wants or not, trust it. And then later you find out maybe part of it worked
1: yeah. or it did work. I'm going to try to say this quickly. I watched something recently by one of the you know, pastors that we'd all listened to, and he was talking about fall, how the serpent came in with that, with that suggestion, um, you know, did God really say? And the, the way he said God was not the Yahweh way. Uh, it was some lower way, uh, which divorces God's goodness from his law. And so that makes me think of blind faith versus childlike faith. And maybe there's a certain level of, you know, childlike faith inherently makes me think of father or mother, whereas blind faith is just kind of absent any kind of relation. Yeah. Uh, So it puts, in my mind at least, uh, it puts the person that possesses blind faith opposite of some, like, unknowable, far-off cult or whatever deity.
0: Yeah. And it is interesting hearing, you know, like, Ron, as you're talking about trust, and just the the conversation here is, you know, if we think about when we first believed, generally speaking, you you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We hear the Word of God, and we think, yes, I believe that that is true. But that's about it. It's that kind of childlike faith. Then as we grow and we study the Word, we are really, oh, wow, I understand. Kind of like the analogy of repelling. Someone has told you the proper thing to do. Trust the equipment. It's going to feel like you need to grab onto the wall but lean back. And yet your first reaction is to go with your instinct and grab the wall.
5: Absolutely terrifying. Right.
0: But then you lean back and you're like, oh what John said is absolutely true the equipment's got me I'm looking back now now it's right so as we grow in our faith and we study the word and we and we see as this as the series is going to look at as we see even how the word of god proves itself to be true in creation and uh, just the the way that all the parts work together and uh, the way that is spoken of things to come, and then that those things happen, we understand, and that that trust is is built up. Um, so it's kind of a beautiful thing. One thing I was thinking about as I was thinking through that question about a, a blind faith, I, I'm not, I don't want to offend anyone here, um, because I, I grew up singing this song, but I do think it's important for us to consider. Um, even, you know, the things we sing, are these things true? Where do these co- things come from? So the, the chorus popped into my mind. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives the day. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Ugh. We need to be really careful with that. We need to be really careful with that. We'll, we'll talk about this a little bit. So, when the hymn was written, um, kind of a popular, a popular um, heresy actually going on around at the time was neo-orthodoxy. Guys like Karl Barth. Uh, and there was a reaction to defend scripture that men like Barb stepped into against kind of the liberal attack of saying scripture is not true and they kind of came in and said no scripture is true even though it does have error because it's written by human men but Scripture becomes the inspired word of God when we when men have a special <coughs> encounter with it. And specifically, this language of a, a special encounter in your heart. When it becomes real in your heart, it becomes the word of God. Um, they, because science seemed to deny the fact of the resurrection, they said, well. Christ didn't physically raise from the dead. He is raised in your hearts when you experience that rush and you know in your heart that he is raised. Not physically, but you believe it. He's raised into your hearts. So it's just interesting that this song, uh, kind of this line kind of... Was written along the the time that this was being done. And the difficulty in that is that's not necessarily how Scripture speaks about our confidence of Christ being raised from the dead. So I just want to walk through 1 Corinthians 15 for a minute. And just just thinking about how our minds are engaged uh, on the topic. So, 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 1, Paul writes. and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Verse 11, whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believe. So Paul's talking about the fact of Christ's resurrection. It's not merely that we have a blind faith in it, but he's saying there are witnesses who saw Christ raised from the dead. They saw him. Oh, and uh, by
4: the way, some of them are still alive. Yeah. So go and check out you can cooperate, if you, it, right? if you don't believe. Yeah.
0: Yes. Then verses 14 uh, through 20. then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And it's interesting, the subtitle of our book, Christian Mind Escaping Futility. Escaping Futility. Um, There's a number of verses, Romans 1, I think Ephesians 4, talk about the worldly mind being futile. But it's interesting here that even Paul uses that word in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins really connecting there this the fact of christ's resurrection and our faith founded in this fact even though we are so far removed and i can no longer go to someone who uh can tell me in front of me it's corroborated but guess what i have i have a letter that someone wrote corroborating it and then that's you know it's it's you know we can search back in history and say oh hey we found this thing to be true because we found that um, Abraham Lincoln wrote this letter to, to one of his generals and here he says to me, oh okay yeah that corroborates the fact these are these are historical letters written in time and place where men who actually witness Christ raised from the dead are writing to us and establishing this fact with us and they're establishing it with with testimony, Um, which is really interesting in um, our study in John, how much John brings up this issue of testimony. How many things are testifying to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It's almost like as if it's a court case, and he's lining up his witnesses. He uses that language a lot. Christ, he's uh, at the end of his letter, he's writing I'm writing these things so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Um, So faith is futile if it's not based in in facts, especially as Paul's pointing here, this fact of Christ's resurrection. And this really is, um, I think I mentioned before, I've heard some uh, say this is kind of the, the linchpin of the Christian faith. And Paul right here is is setting it up for everyone. So you want to know how to destroy the Christian faith. Prove that Jesus did not raise from the dead. And you'll win. win. And Karl Barth said, well, actually, if you find Jesus' bones, you're not going to change anything because he's not raised physically. He's raised in my heart. So that's kind of that interesting understanding there so why why then again i want to enter back into some discussion here why then does our faith need to be founded
2: on fact oh, this is sorry maybe a little too adjacent to what you just asked but just thinking out loud the Karl Barth thing is interesting to me because on one hand He's, a, he's attempting to answer a question or solve a problem by introducing way more questions and introducing way more problems. Mm-hmm. It's like in trying to prove in some way that the scripture is true by re- reframing how the uh, resurrection happened. You're creating all sorts of problems down the line. Yeah, and some of the thought was like, "This is going to, this is going to, the language is going to sound like splitting hairs." But it's like. It wasn't. you weren't at a place where you were trying to prove that Scripture of the Resurrection was true. You were in a place where you were trying to prove that it wasn't untrue. There's kind of a difference there, yeah. like in the angle in which you attack it. So there's that sense in which Scripture is, to a believer, self-authenticating. It is true by nature of it existing. And so there is always going to be some level where it's like having these conversations with somebody whose mind or eyes have not been opened or enlightened, By the Spirit, it's going to be difficult, but it's important to be grounded in. Like, Scripture is true, it can be trusted, it's self authenticating. We know that because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we have to sort of stay there and attack it from there as opposed to leaving that and attacking it elsewhere, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's a lot of swirling thoughts, but I just thought it was interesting, like, because Carl. Probably thought pretty highly of himself, like "oh, I solve this problem," but you introduced <laughs> way so many other problems right. down the line theologically. Um, so I don't know. it's Just you just kind of have to. We have to stay here. We can't wander too far off from the the nature of who God is, what He says in His Word, what He says in His Word, and the fact that we can trust Him. It's true, based on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
3: I don't know, Carl Hart. I'm not familiar with his theology, but was was he in some way conflating with? The holy, the role of the Holy Spirit, and how we say that Christ resurrected involves my heart, mm-hmm. because there is an, an involving of the Holy Spirit that lives right. within us. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like that's what He was mm-hmm. getting at. Am I right? I don't yes. know Him. Yes. So,
0: so a lot of it is that, yeah. Like we would say, I, in fact, um, Tom Larue was making fun of me on Tuesday. I was saying. This is the word of God, whether you believe it or not. It doesn't become the word of God when all of a sudden Jeremy Litz believes it to be so. Like, you know, it is the word of God. And he, I think, thinking of the Holy Spirit, is saying, well, because there are errors in it, because, in in his mind, because there are errors, because there's some things that are more fanciful what it really is, is it becomes, as the Holy Spirit, I think, speaks to your heart, it becomes the inspired Word of God through kind of your, the inspiration of it to you. Kind of that, kind of that. <laughs> almost
3: added a role to the Holy Spirit that he doesn't have and doesn't need, or, in a sense. Yeah. That's what the Holy Spirit does.
0: And in a sense, you know, you think about, <clears throat> as, I, as I read the Word of God with a heart of faith, the Spirit does testify it to be so. Like um, I think it's <clears throat> uh, it's it's in the London Baptist Confession, the Westminster Confession, the Westminster Larger Catechism talks about all how Scripture is self-authenticating in, in that uh, what it says to happen happens. That we can agree, we can see the the beauty of it, the consent of all the parts, the harmony of the whole. But then at the very end, they all say, yet, without the Holy Spirit, I'm paraphrasing here, no one can understand it to be the very Word of God. Because it does take the Holy Spirit to kind of have the scales fall off our eyes and say, yes, I believe this to be the Word of God. But it's not me believing it that makes it so. It's just, and we'll get to this in a minute, but Him enabling me to see it for what it actually is. I'm walking across the street and I say, I don't believe in
4: buses. (laughs) I don't believe in buses. and So I don't look across the street. I don't look both ways. The bus is coming and I'm gonna get hit by it. It doesn't matter whether I believe in it or not. Now, okay, the scales have been pulled from my eyes and the bus is coming and I step out of the way because I now believe in buses. (laughs) I mean, that's how ridiculous the thought is that when we, the created, the limited, the not eternal, the not omniscient, say that this book, oh, it has become the word of God to me, that makes it the word of God, that's foolishness. There's got to be an objective standard
0: outside of ourselves and that's what we have there. Now, let's look at a passage, um, kind of going back to what Larry said, where there's some some scripture that we read that seems to maybe give this idea of of a of a blind faith. Let's, I want to just kind of work through one of those. Ephesians three. so verse 19 we're going to read it in this context in a minute but verse 19 Ephesians 3 19 he says and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so this is one of those verses that someone might be able to say okay so this is a this is higher than knowledge this is something special that I am receiving that surpasses knowledge. Let's read through, um, we're actually going to read through verse uh, 14 through 19 and kind of put it in its context. Here's some of the language that Paul uses. So Paul, after just talking about uh, Christ giving us apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. verse, Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children, Tossed to and fro by the waves. Um, actually, sorry, I was in chapter four. You <laughs> need But that's a good passage too. Um, for this reason, Ephesians three fourteen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's some of that language. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what does Paul mean when he says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Well, the first question is, what, you know, what knowledge is he talking about that this surpasses? What knowledge is surpassed? Well, I think there's, there's a couple of senses you can understand it. One, one is, the well really it's it's the context of the human human wisdom and we're going to we're going to see this in a minute in first corinthians 7 but it's this idea that faith enables to see past the wisdom of man and to see the wisdom of God as he says to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's not asking us, he's not instructing us here to set knowledge to the side, this whole idea that yes, knowledge can get you so far, but then it's faith that carries you the rest of the way. He's not saying that you leave knowledge behind, but he's saying the wisdom of the world does not comprehend these things. The wisdom of the world does not comprehend uh, the height and depth of all the the riches of God. But it's through faith that we are then enabled to understand. And he actually uses the word to know. We are enabled to know all these things. Imperfectly. And guess what? Even in eternity is going to be Perfect in the sense that it won't be wrong, but we will always be learning because we are still finite creatures in the presence of an infinite God. So we will always be learning, which is beautiful and kind of mind blowing, but beautiful. You know the the whole image of sitting on a cl- on a cloud playing a harp. Like no, you're you're going to be able to begin to search the depths and purity like I, the, what we know to be true will be true, but it's still not the fullness of it in a sense it, it's gonna be, it's going to be wonderful but the very the very thing is that even now we are being called to know this so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God so that this beautiful this beautiful language, but that the idea that we would that knowledge can get us so far and then a, a mindless faith takes us the rest of the way really leads us into the danger of, of mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this idea that faith must kick in, give you a kind of a deeper experience um, than, than what you can uh, have just reading the word. But faith, uh, th- this is kind of the point of the book in a sense but faith actually bears the fruit of renewing our minds so we can truly, like though perfectly, know God. Faith gives us, as I said, those scales fall off our eyes. We are able to begin to understand. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, I think this is very, it, it's beautifully seen in the, in the idea of Christ coming as our Savior because it does not make sense to the Mind of the lost. 1 Corinthians 1 17. We're going to read into chapter 2 just a little bit. For Christ did not send me, Paul's writing here, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Stumbling block block to the Jews because it's saying it's not by your lineage, it's not by your strict adherence to the law, but it's through faith in Christ. And they're like, no, it's because I am the son of so-and-so is the son of so-and-so and it's because i'm circumcised and because i follow the law that's what saves me he says no it's faith so it's a stumbling block to jews folly to gentiles gentiles think like, gentiles who have this plethora of gods say so you're telling me that god came down and and died a bloody death on a cross what kind of god do you worship I worship the God who made the sun. You know, you, you can go on and on. Folly—it's stumbling block to the Jews, folly, uh, folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks. Do you hear that? Those who are called, both 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 of these groups—that they say Christ is is a stumbling block to one and, fo- and folly to the other. But when these God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. There's an interesting thing. As we think about you, you can't, we, we, we see Paul plenty of times. You read Acts, and it's full of and he was reasoning to them with the scriptures, reasoning to them with the scriptures, reasoning to them with the scriptures, over and over and over and over and over again. But Paul wasn't saying, hey, I have a bulletproof argument that you will believe because there's no holes in it. No. It was presenting the Word of God, but he understood that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It is not something um, that uh, we can argue or debate someone into the kingdom. can't bring someone into the kingdom by force. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It does have to be. It's not leaving knowledge behind, but it's enlightening and enabling the mind to understand the wisdom of God. There's knowledge there to be had. Um, continue on verse thirty, and because of him, the pres- uh, because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And when I came to you, brothers, did I, did uh, and when I. Much of the issue that the Corinthian church had this huge issue of being puffed up. Whether it was the um, the, uh, gifts of tongues and prophecy, things like this, they were puffed up in all these areas. And one of these areas they adopted from the the Gentile world, the Greek world, is puffed up with knowledge. You know, this is uh, like Paul, Paul speaking um, at the at on Mars Hill. You know, it's, I think it says something to the effect of, you know, pe- people like to hear, you know, the wise men come and, and, and speak. It's kind of their their pastime of the day wasn't the baseball game, but going to hear philosophers and people, you know, uh, wax eloquent about about any topic. And the Corinthian church is kind of falling into this like, wow, we love wisdom for wisdom's sake. And Paul's saying, because of that, I came to you, not speaking the wisdom of the world, not not speaking in in how your philosophers are going to speak to you. I realized you you needed to hear about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing else. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified so that... Your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, just continue to drill it in. It's not that knowledge or wisdom is left behind, but it's that the wisdom of man is left behind, that you may know the wisdom of God.
1: Um, You can just think of like a planning committee going to the Corinthians and they're like, Paul... These guys really like their wisdom and stuff. What you ought to do is really think through how to like give this gospel, like with some big words and stuff. They're gonna love that. Yes. And and what that what that verse is showing us is that if he were to do something like that, right, then it's maybe it's the way Paul spoke, or it's it's the fact that the person listening knew big enough words to to get it right. And I think that's kind of maybe what it's. The wisdom, or it rests in the power of God. Right? Yeah, no, that's a great way to think
0: about it. If if uh, Paul would have h- hired a marketing agency, like help me to go into Corinth with the best message that's going to be here, that's what they would have told him. Well, this is what normally happens. This gathers a crowd. This excites the people. So yeah, go in there with your big words, phrase your sentences well. I mean, <coughs> kind of poetically and all these. We're gonna we're gonna give you a, a really polished message. Wouldn't that be akin to some lights and a fog machine and proof? Yeah, <laughs>
5: right.
0: <laughs> well, the uh, like a smoke machine and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah.
3: It reminds me of uh, like the '80s, '90s, early '00s. Um what were the '80s and '90s? The, the creation versus evolution. is creation like, was big. It's mm-hmm. a big, and at least in my small sphere of like you know Christian homeschooler, conservative Christian, that was kind of the big argument of the day was uh, creationism versus evolution, and there were um, you know there were debates and talks. So you'd, you'd get a panel, and you'd have this side and that side, and mm-hmm. you know it. It just reminded me of that. Like how futile is that that we're going to win people? Well, what was the point of that? We're going to win people to Christ by arguing for creation, this this science versus this science of the day.
0: Yeah, well, and they they're very well maybe people who their eyes are are open to, to see oh wow, it was created. But the whole point is, leaving it at that, people aren't saved by believing that God created the world in six days. It's kind
3: of logic people over to Christ. Right.
0: People are saved by believing that Jesus Christ came and lived the life of perfect righteousness and obedience that you and I could never live and die the death that you and I deserve. That's what people need to hear. And that Christ did it so perfectly that he raised from the dead three days later he ascended on high and we have a perfect mediator a perfect high priest even now and that's what people need to hear yeah it, it is i i know the the heart behind it is to get people there yeah But you can get so lost sometimes in...
3: The the, the risk there and the danger is getting lost in the weeds of the intellectualism. Right. um, And not getting to what Paul is talking about. Um, So I think Paul could have held his own. Right? He was a Pharisee. He probably knew all the big words. He could have held his own. He could have gone to the debate and debated the minds of the day. But that's what he was saying, right? But that's,
4: that's... he did debate on Mars Hill, yeah. and you know, and used their own, their own language, yeah. their own language, and their own authors and their own poets against them. So he definitely so he could have that. held his own.
0: Yeah, he do that
3: side, it.
4: yeah, but not to the Corinthians. They he, yeah. they didn't need that. They needed to hear that Christ would save them from their sins.
0: The uh, author of the book that y- y'all have, I'll give you guys before I forget. Um, He says, even though this truth and its access are unique, they are not irrational. Paul says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, but because they are beyond reason, uh, not because they are beyond reason, but because they do not originate in a proud human philosophy. Faith in the gospel is not an irrational leap but a posture of humility just because we cannot see all of it does not mean it is untrue the christian mind understands this for the sake of time just want to walk through some examples of uh, two extremes in the church one i think kind of built around this mysticism is an anti-intellectualism like no We don't need to employ the intellect because this is a blind leap of faith. You don't, you, if you rest in knowledge, well, that's wrong. You just need to have more of this blind faith that we talked about. But then the other danger is intellectualism, Mm -hmm. where we think we are, in in a sense, like the the Corinthian church, puffed up with knowledge. So let's talk about those a little bit. One one danger in the, of uh, uh, one way this shows up the anti-intellectualism in the church is what I put what I phrase as church for the sake of churchiness. There's a lot of people who um, go to church simply for the experience of church. I go to church because I think it's helpful simply just to raise a good family. I go to church because I like the um, camaraderie that I can have with people. I go to church because I like the songs that are, sing- that are sung. They make me feel good. I go to church for all these other reasons. And Christ is left out of all of it. Um, it's... So yeah, it's the kind of church for the sake of churchiness. Um, another one... You hear sometimes, doctrine divides. Doctrine divides. Can't we all just get along? Why is that such a problem just to kind of throw your hands up? So, you know what? Doctrine divides, so we're just going to focus on love. It tells
1: us to contend for the faith. Yeah.
0: How, how do we know how to rightly love? You know, and, and the only way we know is by searching the Word of God mm-hmm. and, and the doctrine withheld, held in it, right? There, there is a purpose to what is true. Uh, we were, uh, Courtney and Melinda and I were just having a conversation last night just about um, the, uh, now my mind just drew a blank. It was a good conversation. And about this. <laughs> <laughs> Which conversation? <laughs> but uh, it's kind of contending for the truth, like Josh just said. Why we can, we can get to these places and say, why does that really matter? Because can't we just get along? It's like, well, should we ever have that attitude toward God's word? Well, I know God has told us that, that these things in his word, but... I reason that that only divides. So I'm going to set God's word aside for the sake of unity. Unity is a huge thing preached about through the epistles. We should strive for unity. But Paul never says to set aside the word of God. Paul never says, well, these things that I'm teaching you aren't all that important. What's more important is that you be united. And no, he wants us united around God, around the word of God, and, and really, it's the word of God that draws us to know God. So it's knowing God uh, that actually unites us. And as we talked about on Tuesday nights, this it's as we read the word, as we know God, then we also understand that He has directed us then how we ought to worship Him, how we ought to come before Him, and it's not based on what we think is best, but on what he says is right. So the doctrine divides notion
4: is based on a faulty premise. Um, That knowledge, that, uh, that doctrine is, all doctrine is equal. And in terms of weight, but we already know, based upon classes that we've had, that we have different levels of agreement on that. There are, there are primary things that everyone must believe in order for us to say that we have true fellowship together. And then we have other things that, well, they're not that important, right? And even Paul says, let those of us who are mature think in this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Mm-hmm. Only let us hold true to what we have a- attained. So. The, the idea that all doctrine must be held to, that's the faulty premise. And that's why it divides, because if we get all puffed up in our own gnosis, our own knowledge, that's when we start pushing people away. That's when we start interfering with the unity of the body. But when you have the right understanding that there are certain doctrines that must be adhered to, and others, let's just have grace with each other that's when you, you're you able to maintain the unity even though some people may be mature and some people may not be. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not us, it's not our responsibility to mature those people, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. And the Holy Spirit, even here, God will reveal that to you also. Yeah. I'm not gonna fight with you to make sure you believe every little teeny tiny doctrine that I have. I'm gonna leave that to God. I'm gonna tell you what's necessary to know and that's Christ and Him crucified. Yeah, and resurrection. And I think
0: the distinction there is, you know, something like justification. How mm-hmm. are we justified? That's a really big issue. Mm-hmm. Paul stepped into this whole world with Peter, right in mm-hmm. front of everyone, rebuked him for for going back to the Jews and uh, ignoring just how he was eating his meal just the other day mm-hmm. to, to appease mm-hmm. them. But whatever it is. There are certain things we have graciousness, but everything matters. Mm-hmm. Far be it from us to say that there's something in the scripture that does not matter. No, not at all. Right. That's not what I was getting. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um for the, we got to hurry up cuz I've my hard stop was in 4 minutes. Um, the other one is we've already talked about a lot in the beginning, kind of sub- subjectivity over objectivity. That the Bible may say this, but my experience tells me this sort of thing. Or I'll, I, I believe what the Bible says when my experience backs it up. This, is, this goes to the whole, no. We don't rule out experience. I don't rule that out fully. But your faith has to be founded in something bigger than your experience. Our faith is founded on Christ. Um, the danger then of intellectualism in the church. Just a couple um, quick passages, just to kind of give us a general idea of this, and I'll just read read us read them for us.
2: of God and such.
0: Yes, well, Ma- Matthew twenty three, and then we'll go there. But Matthew twenty three and, and Paul, uh, Christ speaking to the Pharisees. It's kind of getting into this the religious m- m- minutia, but also. Uh, I I think it can be very easily applied to having a knowledge that pops up. He says, uh, Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, stringing out a net and swallowing a camel. Kind of going back to what we were just saying, um, if we have, if you we allow our intellect to be puffed up, and we are forgetting the weightier matters of the law, then it's what good? What good is it? I, I would I would even uh, probably argue that it's not true knowledge. You're applying more of your your human wisdom rather than God's. And then uh, as uh, Danny just mentioned, First Corinthians thirteen. uh, 13.2, and if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So there is a a danger, I would say, of the anti-intellectualism and the intellectualism. Our church probably struggles more against falling into the intellectualism category. We have to be careful that we aren't, uh, don't puff up our knowledge for knowledge's sake. Our Tuesday evening study with the men, I said at the outset. I think I've tried to remind us throughout: is our study of systematic theology is that we can know God, and that ought to result in a love for God and love for neighbor. Because if it doesn't, then we really need to check ourselves. We're likely uh, trying to learn uh, just for learning's sake.
5: Um, I think it's related to what you're talking about, but something that, I don't know, for myself, that was very, there's a lot of things about just growing up, emotion was like chaotic, so it was confusing. So, love Spock, logic, that was like a way to get through <laughs> things. Um, but even he, in Star Trek, realized that there was more than logic. And so, I was sort of just sort thinking of, even when, with the word mind, which this isn't particular, but it's like people use, when um, Michelle was talking about debates, it's all about logic and gotchas, it's not even a conversation. So you're not even searching for knowledge, it's more about, it's a, a, it's a debate, it's a war. Um, and there's winner and a loser, so there's not, There's no conversation there. But the other part is that um, there's people who understand emotion and can't explain it, but they get it. And that is important, too. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, Jesus said that you need to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about experience, I think all of those are important in terms of when we refer to knowledge. I think we can have a bias and think of knowledge as some sort of facts or arguments or logic or, well, I, you know, Jesus did exist and there's proof of that. It's like, yeah, but there's also the the experience counts to some degree Mm -hmm. and the emotion behind it and just your soul, wherever that fits in. So I guess I'm saying that when we're talking, we have to be careful, I think, of what bias we're using to make our point Mm -hmm. and not discounting somebody else's point who might be more from the heart as opposed from the mind or... It's like, I, I don't know that it's either one of these. I can just, it just, it seems correct. Like it's from their soul somewhere. They can't even explain it.
0: Yeah. And I would just say that as they study the word, as they mature, there is a, a more, a fuller picture is, is, is brought in where there is more of that understanding of, oh. Or actually we're witnesses of the resurrection, there, there is a full understanding where it does, does grow beyond mere experience. But at the same time, this is kind of the point, one of the points of the class is specifically looking at the mind, but I think we can be so myopic that, that we view our redemption as just kind of very particular. But We are being renewed in the whole man. So much so that even our physical body will be raised from the dead and and be made perfect to dwell in the new heavens and the new earth. So we are being renewed. Uh, Romans 12 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds, among with every part of ourselves, being renewed. We are more and more being transformed into the image of Christ. We need to end there, because um, I still want to pass my heart cut off. <laughs> Josh, are you my to too? Uh, sure. Or no, I
1: don't mind. <laughs> um, Heavenly oh, Father, we just thank you for our time together and uh for men like Jeremy that prepare faithfully to bring us such um, I don't know, enjoyable and God-honoring teaching, Father. Uh, we pray that you would bless that teaching in our lives uh, and draw us ever ever more toward you and uh, help us to keep the cross firmly inside, Father. I pray for the sermon today. Uh, Really looking forward to more John. Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.